Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 42 of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck coming at you live once again from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located right here in Pittman, New Jersey. Another great crowd down here tonight. Dr. Frey, how you doing? Doing great, Jason. How you doing, buddy? That good time of the year, right? We'll, we'll do a little March Madness recap at the end, but yeah. baseball's back. Everything's going well. Things are on the right track, right? Like, um, first March Madness, it, yeah. it's just the best. It's, yeah. it's the best time of the year. Yeah. We had a, we had our um, kind of our March Madness primer earlier yeah. on. We can give ourselves a little bit of a scorecard if we want. We and didn't do bad. What's that? We didn't do bad. We didn't do bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Um, where, where do you stand in the pool? Second. Second. Behind my wife. <laughs> which is like, oh like, yeah yeah we, we there are so you have the two different pools running I, right 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 in, in your pool from haddonfield terrible yeah, terrible. terrible yeah, yeah. Um, me as well both. yeah <laughs> the recon league I'm, I'm hanging in there i'm in second right now but we're happy to be back down here tonight to finally wrap up the topic of the rotator cuff injuries and part two baby part two uh we, we took a week off because we, we needed to get that march madness in but i'm looking around the table here at our guest tonight and I gotta say, we got I mean, two. This is a. Uh, w- would you say this is our most heavily educated, you know, group of guests? Pretty reasonable to say. There, yeah. There's a there's a lot of years of education going on here, right? And I, right. you know, I'm definitely pulling up the caboose on that one, but yeah. that's all right. <laughs> it is what it is, you know. But uh, we're gonna wrap up that uh, that first episode that we did on rotator cuffs about two weeks ago. That was episode number forty, yeah. and we brought in two guests first tonight. Why don't you introduce our first? The first guest is. Sean Rowe, a buddy of mine. We worked together at Advanced Orthopedic Centers uh, previously. Sean is now at Cooper Bone & Joint Orthopedics. Uh, he's a physician assistant. Sean, I want you a little, little bit about yourself. So I'm Sean Rowe. I work uh, as a PA at Cooper Bone & Joint. Uh, as you mentioned, we worked previously at Advanced Orthopedic Center. So I have about a uh, little over seven years as a PA. Um, I've worked in sports medicine, worked in hand, some joint replacement, and now do mostly orthopedic trauma. And I work as the director of clinical practice for Cooper Bone and Joint. So a little more on the administrative side uh, since I, uh, you and I worked together a few years ago. But uh, yeah, we kind of go from everything from your typical uh, sprains and strains all the way to more of your traumatic type of uh of uh, uh, injury that you have in orthopedics. Heck yeah, man. And, and you know, in this world, there's, there's two ways to approach it, right? Like there's people can compete or people can work together. And, and we have the good fortune of having a bunch of really good docs right down the street that help us out and take care of us. And really, in, you know, from a trauma standpoint, we, 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 you know, we have a really good doc in our group. We have a Chris Haydell who's, who's awesome. Very good. Um, yeah. Right, right, right. But then we also have the good fortune of having Cooper right down the street for, for some, some serious stuff and similar. And in, in the, the orthopedic oncologic world, I've, I've sent two patients there this particular week alone. And, and we see, you know. And those are always the hardest patients to be able to, to have those right. conversations with, you for know, sure. and, and you've got. Uh, guys like Dr. Lachman, who right. helped to build that practice at, Lachman, at, at yeah, Cooper, sure. and uh, he brought that over from Penn, and yeah. he's kind of turned it over to Dr. Kim and Gutowski, who, you know, awesome. like you said, are, are those are difficult conversations to have, yeah. in, you know, at the very least. And it's great to have people like that right down the road 
One, they're, they're receptive to phone calls. You ask them questions. And two, if we need to send patients over their way. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a good relationship. It's good. It's good to have it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, you and I are always in constant contact where we're bouncing yeah. stuff off of each other. Over and, and over. Yeah. And it, it's just always able to kind of help to build that bridge and the relationship between the two places, you know, that both do orthopedics and do yeah. it well. And even though we might specialize in something different, still be able to kind of bridge the gap and make sure we're doing the best for the patients. But you, you personally have a history in baseball. It's your, it's your, it's your, it's, it's a, you know, kind of your love, right? And you, you played baseball. We've done, uh, we've done community talks on it together. And that helps us bring us to the second part of today's show. Jason, want to introduce our other guest? I'm happy to bring on a, a good friend of mine, Mike Voltz, um, who I, I think oddly enough that we may have only overlapped in our career about what six weeks I think where is that we right together really? yeah but somehow even though we're more than that <laughs> even <laughs> in a couple months but, yeah. even though our uh, our careers kind of went off in different directions you know Mike I'm, I'm really happy that you're able to join us tonight yeah I think um we worked together back in in Delaware a number of years ago yeah. and um you were coming on to uh work at the Nemours Sports Medicine mm -hmm. with me and then not long after we hired Jason I was like hey man it's been great yeah, I, I feel like you were awesome to work with, but I'm out of here. Man. I, I feel like I don't know, like maybe in my mind I've shortened it, but it, it just felt like it was like it was a couple months where I we did know. nothing together. Yeah, in the office <laughs> we, we were all like I was down there training to go to a new site and then it was just like as was I. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were both like so we didn't even really have like a patient caseload at that no. time. And no. and then we just kind of went separate ways. But, you know, I, I was really happy that we were able to continue that relationship. You came down to help me out with the soul a lot of different times. But tell us a little bit what you do now. So, yeah, I've recently started my own practice. Um, it's called the Movement Science Project. I'm in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, and it is focused on a couple different things. One being the overhead athlete, baseball, softball. You know, I've seen a lot of swimmers through the years, things like that. But then also kind of the adult athlete, folks like us that are still trying to stay active and still trying right. to, um, you know, keep moving and and. You know, we all yeah. run into issues. Yeah, we get 40, age catches up with plus. us. Yeah, <laughs> issues come along, don't they? Um, so, like, I, I got really excited to like introduce you, but I mean, you are a what? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I am a physical therapist and athletic trainer over in Pennsylvania. Yes, that's yeah. what I. Yeah. Father, father, husband. Yeah. You know, I don't know how. It's a beautiful combination, that. right? Yeah. Like the yeah. athletic training background and the physical therapy background gives you a very interesting perspective on a lot of the injuries. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I started as an athletic trainer and, and uh, moved into the PT world and yeah, having them both, I think really gives you a lot of perspective on right. getting athletes back to play and, right. and even just, again, the weekend warrior figuring out how to get them back to doing what they want to do. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's a good combo. The, the one weird thing that we're off to already is that both our guests kind of met each other mm -hmm. before we got started. That's tonight. true. Right, right, and, right. Uh, we saw them over there talking and Gapping as it turns away. out, there, there's a little bit of an overlap there. So uh, there, there's a, a little bit of a connection. Right, Sean. Yeah. So, uh, turns out when I was uh, younger, <laughs> especially yeah. when I was a little bit younger, kind of was on a, a feeder team mm -hmm. um, for USA Baseball, and so out of that, um, you know, I, I spent a couple summers playing around, and you know, you you are traveling, you're playing nearly every day, you're practicing all the time, and it turns out that 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 Mike uh, mm -hmm. actually worked for USA Baseball, and we missed each other by you know about two years or so mm -hmm. he, when he came on and 
So uh, yeah, you know, it, it was it was really nice to be able to 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 kind of meet up and and catch up about some things that yeah. you know we had no idea about. Yeah, because I couldn't play. <laughs> I try I try to go work yeah. work alongside yeah. for sure. So, yeah. Well, I didn't say I played that, that's well. That's what you did. Yeah. <laughs> right. for, from the athletic training standpoint, we, we sometimes make that joke. It's like. You know, when you want to stay involved, but you realize you can't really hang with the, with the big boys, that's where you strap the fanny pack on. And <laughs> yeah. you, sit, you sit in the dugout and you, you make it look like you're a part. You I, know? I had that interview question years ago. I had a buddy really? who got me an interview with with a professional team, and, and they were like, so what got you into sports medicine? And I thought for a second, it was a phone interview, and I thought for a second, I go, dude, same thing as you guys. I, yeah. I wasn't good enough to play. Yeah. Right, right, right. And there I was like, enough it was the like silence yeah. on the other end. This and is my way to went, be. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened yeah, to us yeah, too. Yeah, like, yeah, we, yeah, we weren't good enough, so we had to had to go on the other side. I remember when I transitioned from the River Sharks to the Soul, there was a little bit of hesitation because we had talked about the the bucket list of things that we wanted to cover and uh, yeah. the the USA baseball or things at the Olympic level, but it was actually would have been like my bucket list of things. And after about eight years in baseball, I really started to make some headway with. USA baseball and yeah. I felt like I was pretty close I knew enough people right. and then all of a sudden like this professional football job came into my lap and it was like well, I have no resources there and I'm I'm pretty much giving up my opportunity there but USA baseball was always I watching those like the, the world games and things like that yeah, was, right. I was like man what an experience that must be yeah you know and it's yeah. really yeah and, and, and I'm sure you have this too like I'm sure you still have your hat like, you know, you, you've got, got your, yeah. you know, you got your like three hats and yeah. those are like some of my proudest like memorabilia yeah. that I still have. Yeah. You know, you got your, your blue, your red. And then we had like a white one at the time and never really wore that. Of course, in baseball, you can't wear a white hat bunch, <laughs> but you know, having those three hats are like some of the proudest things that you really want to, you know, have to display and, you know, and show. So, yeah. and not that I was able to go on to be able to play in the Olympics or anything like that, but definitely to represent your country and, right. and be able to, to still hold on to that was really something to be proud of. Yeah. 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 I'll say being, you know, I've worked with USA baseball. I did USA diving for a little while, went out to the US Olympic training center for a couple of weeks, um, did that whole, uh, you know, rotation out there. And I've been there a couple of times when the, when the national anthem has been played. Right. And even as a medical provider, you're like, this is awesome. Heck yeah, like, man. Yeah. It had, totally gets like, you choked up. I was sure. not on the diving board. Right, I was right. not. It's like, right. but it was awesome when you, when you see that, you know, and you see a kid standing up there getting the medal around their neck, right. whether it's junior worlds or, you know, and now when you watch it on TV, you're like, you know, some of the guys that I, that I saw, it's like, Did I, there they are. They're, right. That's great. You know, yeah. but, of course. Uh, so I didn't make it to the Olympics either. Certain level as an athlete, uh, definitely not. But super exciting. Provider. But yeah, it's, it's very exciting for them. Yeah. So. Again, we were uh, we're, we're going to wrap up our, our conversation that we had two weeks ago. It was just Dr. Frey and I, and I don't think you liked it when I termed it. We were going to cover the kind of the boring stuff, right? But we went over the anatomy <laughs> and the physiology and yeah. what makes up the rotator cuff. And I dig it, yeah. but I'm on <laughs> Actually, I enjoy yeah, it. I kind of liked it, too. Okay. <laughs> I'm right here. Right, right, right. um, I, I do, too, but uh, I don't know if that's what really grabs our listening listening audience's attention. But, Most of the time. Um, again, we, we encourage you guys to go back, listen to episode or part one of episode number 40, where 40. we talked about the rotator cuff. Uh, but Sean, you know, from a physician's assistant standpoint, you know, why don't you kind of summarize that episode in terms of like, what do you see when a, a patient presents in the exam room with what yeah. may be suspected as a rotator cuff? What do we use? Uh, rotator cuff involvement? We, yeah, we don't know injury, right? rotator cuff injury. Yeah. 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 So, 
you know, you go through your basics. So you, you go into the room and you, you know, you have a patient with a shoulder injury or shoulder pain of some yeah. sort. And the first thing you check your range of motion, yeah. kind of determine which way that, uh, you know, are you, can you get to that 90 degrees? Can you go to the full, you know, 180 degrees? And then that kind of helps to develop some of your mm -hmm. thought process and your diagnosis. So you're running through the differential in your head as you go. And then you start into some of the special tests, which I know you love. Right. Uh, you know, so. This <laughs> we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, special yeah. tests are called. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go through the, some of the special tests and, you know, it kind of helps to determine where that your, your rotator cuff injury or pain could be coming mm -hmm. from. And, you know, as you've mentioned, you know, the guys that always are like, no, it's not in my shoulder. It's in my elbow. They're yeah. kind of like in the arm. that, yeah. that like arm area where yeah. they're like fading their hand down their, yeah. their sleeve yeah. a little bit. And, you know, that's kind of that first trigger to kind of go, yeah, yeah I, I, I need to know and uh, about the rotator cuff here and yeah. how to work it up. So your nears, your Hawkins, your empty cans, even some strength tests to where you're able to really determine exactly what's yeah. going on with that patient's shoulder yeah. and then what the next steps in care can be. Yeah. Well, you, you seem to be one of our, uh, our listeners that have a lot to say about the episodes. I mean, you actually texted me <laughs> not great. too long after the release and said you had something to touch on about that referred pain. Yeah. Do you so, remember that? Or? Yeah, I do. I do. Yes, I do. I do. So you guys were talking about the the referral pattern and where it comes from right. and that kind of thing. And I do have to say this is not my original theory, but it's something that I've kind of taken and started to to kind of build from a little it, bit. Yeah. A buddy of mine named his name's Nelson Min. I've taught with him for evidence in motion and, and kinetic core, this was kind of his thing. But if you look at say infraspinatus, right? Mm -hmm. Which we get a lot of, right? And, and that referral pattern looks a lot, it's a, it's a C5 muscle. It comes from, from you know, the cervical level five. Um, it's a, the referral pattern for that looks a lot like a C5, C6 referral, right? And that was kind of something he always taught me. It was like, a lot of times you can look at the referral pattern from a muscle and it'll look very similar to the dermatome. Mm -hmm. And I would say right. that it does, it look, always looks very similar to the dermatome. The times when it doesn't, or, or I should say, it especially looks like the dermatome when the peripheral nerve doesn't have its own sensory innervation, right. like the infraspinatus, supraspinatus, right? So they've got a suprascapular nerve, they don't have a sensory innervation. No, it's purely motor. Right, yeah. it's purely motor. But so the only thing it's got to rely on to produce pain is the dermatome. Right. I don't think it's got, because it doesn't have a way otherwise to, right. to signify that there's yeah. a problem there. So I had seen a post on social media a while ago and a guy who was, I don't remember who it was to be honest, but I remember seeing that it was like, this is a pretty big name in the baseball world. And they're like, yeah, you might see this referral pattern and think it's biceps tendon, but it's really from the infraspinatus. The yeah. referral pattern doesn't make any sense, but yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a minute, buddy. I didn't comment because I didn't want to be like that guy. It's like, <laughs> I think it actually does make sense. Right because he's got like a hundred thousand followers and I got, you know, 20. For now. <laughs> For now, <laughs> till after it, this podcast right, right. drops. Yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. recon, the podcast, the yeah. recovery yeah. room. Yeah. This is gonna do it, this is gonna do it. Um, you just got 21, I just added you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, I think, I, I look a lot at that kind of, that pain pattern that people have and, and that starts to feed me into you know, where, mm -hmm. where it might be coming from, whether it's peripheral from a muscle or whether it's, um, you know, more central from, from the spine. Right, right, right. Um, so that was all. Same was nerve all distribution, there. but the dermatomal distribution would be, you know, yeah. down in that vicinity. Right, right, right yeah. Right. Overlap. Yeah. I, gotta, I gotta admit for, for the three of you, um, whoever wants to jump in here, I, I've actually found myself more recently being 
I don't know when to decipher this deltoid pain. Yeah. And, and like my first thought is I always jump to rotator cuff now. Yeah. For, for an example, just last Thursday, I saw a swimmer that I didn't love the mechanism of him pushing off the wall. And he's like, I'm swimming fine. It's not affecting my times, but I'm having this pain here. And all of a sudden now I can't move off of its, its rotator cuff and it, you know, and things like that. And it's actually becoming like quite the conundrum where I'm like, I, I, I just think the worst now. All it's in the your time. head, man. Yeah. Like, I, it, yeah, you're right. I think it is right. Yeah. Like I immediately just jumped to like, I, I think we need to get you seen because yeah. I'm concerned, you know, and I, I don't know where to draw that line anymore. And I think really that's where the three of us kind of rely on each other, you know, going from the PA standpoint, right. like I rely on my attending physician mm -hmm. or, you know, my supervising physician to be able to run some of that by them. And then at the same standpoint, you know, if I'm independent that day and I'm kind of running my own schedule and I don't have somebody to bounce it off of, yeah. then I, you know, have the guys in the physical therapy realm, yeah. you know, to where that I can go and bounce some of that off of them. And, and yeah. we can all plan together for that plan yeah. of care. Physical therapists, I feel like. They, they, they get to know the patients better than anybody else. Right? Oh, yeah. they're, they're working with them. They're very closely multiple times a week. And, and like they can then pick up on some of the subtleties. Like, like, like that is a huge resource. And um, it's advantageous for us to, to, to work closely with some very, very good physical therapists. Yeah. And it, it really behooves us, right? Like, like you know, someone, someone catches something that you're not necessarily thinking in that direction or th along that way. And like, they, they can come track you down. Hey, listen. I'm a little concerned yeah. about this or worried about this. And it's very, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. To add on that, I mean, I would say to your point, Jason, like yeah. if somebody comes in with that kind of lateral shoulder, lateral deltoid mm -hmm. pain, to me, that's, that's, you're totally right. That's rotator cuff until yeah. proven otherwise. Nine times right. out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Right. absolutely. But you can't forget about the 10th person. Right? Yeah. You have to keep it in the back of your right. mind. For sure. doesn't dominate your treatment, but you just always like, like, you know, examine it, check it out. Yeah. Do the x-ray take a look at it and whatnot and nine times out of ten is it's rotator cuff yeah you, you have to prove it to yourself right right, it's right, like right right you either have to prove yourself wrong or right right but one way or the other you have to prove it to yourself that, kind of it kind of right. pains me to think about all the river shark guys that <laughs> let them astray oh, it's a deltoid strain <laughs> of course we'll hit this with some stem and we'll be fine you know like it was probably all rotator cuff <laughs> but uh so let's say in an ideal world uh dr frey mm -hmm. uh sean and mike are kind of in the same vicinity because it seems like mike's the person our guest so far that's traveled the furthest to be with us tonight right 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 um mike one of these two gentlemen here refer a patient to you with a rotator cuff involvement first of all let's start with where where, where are you at with your you started your own kind of practice now, right? And you touched on that earlier with the Movement Science Project. So I'm out in Newtown Square. Yeah. I'm, I'm inside of a baseball training facility. So awesome. That's called On Deck Training Facility yeah. or Training Center. Um, so they, have, they run a couple teams out of there. Um, I do a little work also out of a place called Uncommon Baseball. Mm -hmm. So there's a big focus on the baseball softball world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, like I said, on the, on the, on the adult athlete rather as well um, people just trying to stay active that kind of thing as far as um you know when you get somebody coming in that's that's got that kind of shoulder pain what our process is the biggest thing i will say that i think i've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of really good therapists that have been mentors to me over the years and i would say the biggest thing that they do over the the average or not so good therapist is they take a long subjective, like they, they listen yeah. to everything and they just keep hammering that patient with yes. questions. You get a lot from that, right? <clears throat> oh, so much. And, and 
there's things that if you don't do it, you'll, you'll miss. For sure. And I think, you know, to your point, Jason, like yeah. if I could go back to those patients years ago yeah. and be like, Hey, I got, a, I got about 20 more questions right. I'd like to have <laughs> right. asked you that I didn't yeah. ask you. Um, I think that's the thing that's, that's the biggest thing. And it's, there's definitely an art to that of, of trying to draw stuff out of the, out of the patient, um, and what they're, you know, really where it's coming from, what's, what's makes it worse, what makes it better, all that kind of stuff. The you know? simple questions you learn as you're learning how to go through this and then just sort of fall out, right? Um, yeah. It's just not part of your, and then, then you start coming back to it at one point and you realize why you were taught that in the first place. Yeah. Like it's part of the critical exam. When did it happen? How long has it been going on for it? Yeah. You get, like, like, just like you're saying, and, and it becomes a big part of figuring out what's going on. Here. Yeah, and I think, I think it's very easy in the therapy world to fall into, I got a script from, from Dr. Frey, I got a script from, from Sean that says, rotator cuff, and then you just start working on it. Go there. Without figuring out like, what are their actual limitations? Yeah. Like, yes, you know, they've got a rotator cuff strain, they're absolutely right, but what's their functional limitation? What's the thing that's, that's bothering them the most? Yeah. And, and how do I address that movement problem for them? Right. You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't really need to confirm when, when Dr. Frey's got an MRI that says they've got rotator cuff tendinopathy, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not necessarily taking the time to redo those special tests and be like, yeah. yep, his confirm empty, that. His yeah, empty yeah. cam was positive. Dr. Frey was right. He's right. Got, <laughs> like, it's more like, okay, what's, <clears throat> what's yeah. the problem that they're having and, and how do I address that movement? Yeah. Uh, you know, inefficiency yeah. for them. Like yeah. what's, what's causing this? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, you know, kind of being out on my own, I'm able to do a little bit more yeah. now is, is really just take the time to delve into things with people. And, and I think they appreciate that just being able to talk to them more. And I think when we released part one, two weeks ago, we were uncertain about the MLB's future, but we knew that there was this huge high school baseball, right. college baseball still right. happening and go, moving forward, no matter what. Right. And so, you know, MLB is back, but Mike, thankfully, thankfully, when those referrals come to you, and like I said, in an ideal world, they're coming from, you know, Dr. Frey and Sean here, what does that initial eval look for you at the movement science project? Yeah. So and, I mean, and, and can we maybe just, should we focus it on the baseball player? I think that's what we were intending. Let's do that. Yeah. 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 And, cause, and I guess let's start non-operatively. Yeah. I mean, I would say most of the guys are non-operative really, right. in, the, in yeah. the high school realm, junior high realm, especially. Yeah. Especially. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I think you've got most of the docs out there are trying to avoid surgery for those guys at all costs. Right. right? Yeah. Every um, time we can. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, our eval again, I would say you're looking at a lot of the basics, obviously strength, range of motion, that kind of thing. You have to look at specifically glenohumeral flexion, isolated glenohumeral fl flexion. So how much does that, that shoulder move before the shoulder blade moves? Mm -hmm. um, you wanna have you know, about 105, 110 degrees of that before that shoulder blade comes into play. Yeah. Otherwise you start saying, okay, we've got, there might be some posterior capsule issues here, things like that. We look at total arc of range of motion, right? So uh, you guys talked about GERD before, the glenohumeral right. internal rotation deficit. We try to equate that to how much total range do they have, right? That's so, right. Um, you is, know. is their total range shifted posteriorly? Right. right. That's a, that's Which a typically little, it is, yeah. right? For that's a little bit of a controversy, throw. right? From what I understand, I, I feel like there's some physicians that'll just send the referral or, or PA. So I, I don't, you know, you know, it's okay. You know what I mean, right? Healthcare provider. Yeah. yeah. Healthcare you, provider. You can say docs all day. It's yeah. totally um, fine. 
I'm assuming that you, know, you were getting onto that, Mike, whereas they just look at their internal rotations, say it seems pretty stiff, and then but don't look at the total arc. And then right. they send the referral to the physical therapist and say, like, well, you got to hammer that sleeper stretch because the, yeah. the internal rotation uh, is limited, right? So, but they're not looking at the total range. Right, yeah. It's like you've literally pulled over my soapbox for me to get onto. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, get up out. there, man. Preach. That, that yeah. worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> let me just, let me get ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, I will say I've had this argument with other therapists that I know they've been around. Yeah. Like, I'll be totally honest. I can't stand the sleeper stretch. Right. Um, I know you can't. It no is, therapist can. I like yeah, it. Yeah. So, and the way I look at it is um, we, in the, in the, in the exam room, we put somebody in to the Kennedy Hawkins special test to see if they've got impingement. Hawkins yeah. Kennedy. Hawkins okay. Kennedy. Yeah. Same difference. Whatever it is. You know what? My first textbook <laughs> said my first textbook said Kennedy Hawkins. And then after that, Stop. it always said Hawkins Prince Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never He's been able to change it. Yeah. I've never been a, so whatever you want to call it. <laughs> anyway, you put them in there and you jam it into, into uh, internal rotation and they're like, does that hurt? And they're like, yes. Yeah. And you're like, okay, now we're gonna basically have you go home and do that to yourself. Yeah. And I like, think there's a subtle difference. And this is my argument. And, 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 and when you're doing that test, you're basically holding the, you got the shoulder abducted to about 90, you got the wrist holding still, and you elevate the elbow. So you're, you're crashing the greater tuberosity into the sub, into the chromium. When you're doing the sleeper stretch, the elbow is staying still and the wrist is rotating. So you're not bringing the greater tuberosity up, you're right. actually rotating it underneath and just stretching out the posterior capsule. So, so from my opinion, they're, they're similar, subtly different, with the, with an end goal on purpose. So, so I know, I know I'm, and, and I feel like I'm in the minority on this, but I do feel like that's a stretch that helps people with this particular problem. Right? So, yeah. And I, and I, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I tend to use more and it's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's maligned by people as well, but using, I use some hand behind the back stretching, right, which is true. not a great position either that's not specific to baseball gotta to be, be careful right, right, right. but you're still um, stretching out the same area the right still area stretching out the, yeah. the same area um and then i'll use a lot of regular you know cross body posterior capsule stretch fantastic yeah. but what i do with that too is i try to you know if, if if i'm just standing up straight or sitting in my chair or whatever and mm -hmm. i'm bringing my arm across my body that's not really emulating what they do in the throwing motion for sure I, I try to actually get my person standing. Their feet are usually staggered. Uh -huh. And as they twist, I got them internally rotating and they're twisting their body with it. Better. Um, and it's really good on a podcast when you're physically demonstrating something. Yeah. Nobody can see it. Like every other show, man. Nobody can I'm see like, it. I think yeah. Damn it, I wish I think people could fairness, see what I'm doing. I think in fairness, we'll share uh, your social media posts because I think I told you over the phone a couple of weeks ago, I literally stole that from you and it was, started initiating into some of our pictures as if go. it was go like my it. own. And I was like, yeah, so here's what we're going to do here. <laughs> do it. And it's like everybody own. looked at me like, that's brilliant. And I was like, yeah, it's all I, my idea. <laughs> take it. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. But so, we'll share it for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I use the, I use twisting that body cause then we're getting, we're getting that full kind of fascial and muscular torsion and, and rotational load that you get when you throw and when yeah. you're decelerating after you throw, right. which is where that capsule gets right. injured yeah. And, yeah. and aggravated. So, Absolutely. Um, so I try to make it a little bit more quote unquote specific. Certainly there's absolutely zero research behind that. That's yeah. my personal adaptation. It's um, such a like nuanced specific thing. It's a hard thing to test or research, but it's just 
sort of understanding the mechanics and, and doing your best to work with that, right? Like, like truthfully, you're right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that has to go with some of the, the, the stretching that you do before that you go out for a game, you know, right. like these are similar stretches that for a player are very important to be able to go out and get ready for some of those throwing motions that they're going to be going through during the game. So, yeah. you know, and like I, I haven't seen your social media post yet, but you know, just follow just so <laughs> we're, like we're going to be able to see more. It is. No, it is. Don't, don't, don't discredit it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Look um, forward to that. What do those initial emails look like? Are, are you seeing like trends where these people with cuff involvement coming in? Like, are you noticing trends of weaknesses, deficits that are leading to these injuries? It's interesting. I think the as much as we talk about the rotator cuff, mm -hmm. I think people still don't actually strengthen it all that much. Right. right. And, you know, it's in some ways it's understandable. Right. I mean, you know. I still try to work out and all that kind of stuff. My wife has never said to me, your rotator cuff looks great. <laughs> right? She's never been like, man, you must've done yeah. an external rotation yeah. exercise today. Right. right. Um, so it's not one of those things that shows up. Yeah. It's not one of those things that shows up. But I think, man, I tell you what, when you get, I mean, almost any overhead athlete that comes in with a, with a arm injury, mm -hmm. arm in general, yeah. The first place you go is the cuff and, and the scapular stabilizers. And, right. And those are almost always weak. Yeah. Um, even if they've done a full, you know, all winter strength and conditioning program. Like I've had kids that come in and I'm like, dude, you're a beast on the, on the deadlift. And, uh, but yeah. you, your external rotation, your internal rotation stinks, man. Yeah. Like, and so I think what happens is I, I think you've got these, you know, quote, arm care, arm care programs where they do their rotator cuff stuff before mm -hmm. they throw. Sure. Yeah. But they the don't do it a lot otherwise. Program. Um, so there's just there's a lot of weakness there. And I also think that, God, I don't know how many years ago it was. Um, there was a study. I think it was the one that kind of set out the throwers 10 exercise yeah. program right. that's right, been right, around right. for years. And that study basically concluded that if you did the rotator cuff program, they compared rotator cuff program to like traditional, mm -hmm. you know, weightlifting bench and Latin and pull downs and, and the rotator cuff guys increase their velocity more. So the conclusion was if you do rotator cuff stuff, everybody's going to throw harder. So right. everybody did that for a while and, and kind of, topped out and then we started lifting again and that kind of thing and the and the rotator cuff has gotten neglected again but i think what happens what probably really happened in that first study was those guys were strong the rotator cuff created stability at that shoulder and now that allowed them to throw harder like all right more or less your nervous system is not going to let you create more force than you're possible than you're able to control Right. So in other words, if your rotator cuff can't control the amount of force the rest of your body is producing, it won't let you do it. Yeah. It's just going to hold you back. It's going to say, you know what? Our shoulders not prepared to handle this. So once we strengthen the cuff, now the body says, okay, now we can use that keep full the ball power. Centered, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah right. Keeping the ball centered. We're going to use that full power from the glute. And by ball, the, I mean yeah. humeral head. And yeah. the humeral head. Yeah. That is the ball we were talking yeah. about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you know, the more stable that is, then the more our, our lower body can create that power and you can transfer that power then. The yeah. body can absorb that or the shoulder can absorb that. And I think I was on like the kind of the, 
the tail end of that kind of becoming the norm, you know, like right. they, I can remember there was a huge change from the way we used to lift, you know, yeah. for baseball and then starting to do some of the, the thrower's 10 and everything yeah. and, and work on the power of the legs and then some of the flexibility of the arm right. and everything. And it really helped, you know, you, you have guys that I can remember, you know, I've, I've had a different type of shoulder injury, not a rotator cuff, but a slap. But, you know, I've, I've, I've played with guys that, yeah, I played with guys that had rotator cuff injuries and, you know, the, those rotator cuff guys, like you, you could tell the difference. We had fewer of those injuries when we did kind of start that really hyper-focused type of shoulder strengthening and ensuring the rotator cuff and shoulder girdle was, was strong and the legs were strong and, and using the whole body. Yeah, and I would say, honestly, f further on that, it's like the rotator cuff, cuff is ne neglected. I think the most neglected part is actually the subscap, believe it or not. Um, Just because, about to go to. Yeah, because yeah. everybody, it's like your external rotation is, is it's easy to show somebody that's mm -hmm. weak. Yeah. Usually we can internally rotate pretty well, right? We all think we can arm wrestle pretty well. But, not all of us. But not, yeah, not, <laughs> maybe not anybody here, but, yes. but younger kids. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the subscap and its contribution, when we're in that full kind of layback position, that externally rotated 90-90 position, the subscap rotates up and it's actually the primary humeral head depressor there, right? If I have a weak subscap, my humeral head is then gonna glide up. Right. And then when I throw, now I'm grinding that rotator cuff. If they don't have the ability to control this, they're gonna come here and now they, whip, yeah. they're gonna come down to their body and now they gotta whip the ball. Um, and mechanics go out the door. Mechanics right? you know, are at gone. That point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You were gonna bring up subscap, you said. No, it. no, the, 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 honestly, I have that conversation all the time with, with, with throwers. Like, you can't be, you, don't, you can't have this position. You can't have this, this, this linebacker position. You need a baseball player, you need swimmer. You, your shoulders need to be back. You need, you need the appropriate posture, really, is what it comes down to. You need to stretch out your pec minor. You need to stretch out your subscap. Like, these are, these are the critical things for, for, for a thrower so that they don't have the elbow injury, so that, that they can put their arm in the right position when, they, when they're throwing. Yeah. I think one of the keys is, is and, and I have a reasonable sense of, um, of the throwing mechanics and the throwing motion, but I'm not a throwing coach. I don't have the, the, the ultra specifics of it. And it's, 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 for, for me, it's very helpful to have a guy like, a guy like Sean, who, who, when we work together, to be able to rely on him. And a guy like you, the uh, physical therapist with an, and an athletic training background, to, to have that background to, to teach, one, to, to like, you need to stretch this. You need to strengthen that. You know, the kind of complementary muscles to get you there. And, and that's how you're going to prevent that injury. That's how you're going to, one, add some velocity, um, and then, two, prevent the injury to, to, to your throws, to your pitches. Yeah, and I, I mean, to your point on the mechanics thing, it's like I rely on the – that's one thing I love about being inside of on deck and, and those places. It's like I have access right to the, to the pitching coaches. It's huge. Um, yeah. It's huge. Right. And – there's a guy there, Steve Schrank, who's been, he used to play for the Phillies. You know, he is a minor league pitching coach for the Mets now. Like, to be able to talk to him and be like, hey, yeah. this is what I'm seeing. But, like, you tell me what you're seeing. That was, right. that was, that was they see it on a whole yeah. other level. Than I, had, I, I had that question in mind for you because it, it's so hard to think back to if I had gone out to watch these pitchers bullpens when I was with the River Sharks. It's awesome. But I for me always personally, had right. the availability to go out with the pitching coach and right. to team up the, yeah. 
the medical with like, you know, he would bounce things off me. I would bounce things off him, Sure. you know, and he'd be like, well, I don't need him doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, he's doing X, Y, and Z because of this. And, right. but well, how can we stop this? You know? And I mean, do you, do you find yourself working synergistically with the pitching coaches or is there sometimes where you kind of feel like you're at, at, at butting heads with them? A few of the things that I look at, are they leading with their hip? Is the ball down yeah. or is the ball up? Is, is you know, are they um, are they is their lead shoulder too closed? Is it too open? Where is it pointing? There's a few things, but I don't think I have the really super super intricate evaluation of the of the throwing motion. And, and I think that you, you probably have a little more of that than than, than we do. I mean, honestly, it's the, it's the same way. I, I rely on those pitching coaches a lot. I mean, I, I feel like I have a decent grasp. Mm -hmm. for a for a little league dad mm -hmm. you know right <laughs> like the rest of us are right but right, right, right. but i'm not a professional pitching coach right. you know and i and i don't pretend to be mm -hmm. you know the other just the other day I, I had a kid that came in with medial elbow pain and and the way he was describing it to me his pitching coach was out in the lobby and i just went out and was like hey man this is what i'm seeing like what are you seeing and and you know we kind of went back and forth a little bit so i learn every time i talk to those guys um because it's it's kind of fun and challenging to sort of relate what they see mechanically right um to like you're like okay i they see you know they're short arming it they're this and that okay i see subscap weakness i see you know mid trap low trap weakness whatever whatever the case might be right um you know you're trying to relate what i see in the physical exam to what they see on the mound right uh, in the field and and then you're like okay so this weakness results in that right. issue for or this tightness results in that. Yeah. Issue. Right. And from a player perspective, you know, having to have, you know, your, your, your pitching coach or your, you know, throwing coach, fielding coach, et cetera, on the same path with your provider, you know, and, and as a PT provider, as an ATC provider, doc PA, it's, it's, it's a confidence thing. You know, if you, if everybody's kind of on the same page and, they're using similar language that really makes it easier for you to understand exactly what's going on with your body and why you're having this pain. And I think that's really something that sometimes can get lost if everyone's not on the same team and making sure that they're really focusing in and, and kind of using different terms. You know, you might hear more medical terms or more layman's terms, but really focusing in on what the patient's having going wrong at that time. Yeah, I think being able to communicate with them is is huge. It right. makes a huge difference in just being able to, and, and when you're kind of finishing rehab, getting back to a throwing program, having somebody that's, that's monitoring the throwing program rather than just the kid doing it themselves. Yeah. 100%. Oh my gosh. It's my huge. therapist threw with me. Is that I, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's my awesome. yeah. My therapist threw yeah. with me and, uh, was like, let's go out and, you know, bring your glove tomorrow. I'm like, what? And it's yeah. like, no, bring your glove. Let's, yeah. we're going to throw. Yeah. And so, you know, you're working on like the, the, the simple stuff, you know, like, just just a little short toss and kind of warming yeah. up and then eventually get to where you're doing some long toss right out in the therapy parking lot you know i mean yep. and I've done and, that before yeah and and that really <laughs> that, that helps to build that confidence helps to build a relationship and then it gives you that open door to be able to talk more about it with your therapist with your provider atc and make yeah. sure that yeah. you're you're getting the, the the proper recovery mike i felt like you shot me a look there i i I also, I, I can't tell how many throwing programs I've done with somebody over the years, especially over there at Campbell's Field um, in Camden. I remember thinking like to myself, as those throwing programs progressed to 120 feet, it would just be like, 
well, I'm going to give you a bucket of balls <laughs> and yeah. you'll just keep throwing them me. I'm not going to throw them can't, back anymore yeah. because I remember times where it's like, well, I can't uncurl my fingers right now because my <laughs> forearms, or it's like, I also can't get my shirt off with, you know. Yeah. Um, Same shirt it, for three days. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I've been there, but. Um, you didn't love those blisters on your finger? Yeah, where yeah, it's like, I can't do back-to-back 140 <laughs> feet throwing programs. Doc, you're point. just messing me. You're trying <laughs> to run me all over the place. No, uh, I just can't hear you. <laughs> uh, I, didn't want, I never wanted to say no to an athlete, but it was like, you know what? You guys both need to do the same throwing program. So right. why don't we just have, yeah. you know, like yeah. you would pair those up. But um, Dr. Frey, we've had uh, both uh, or all three of them, right? We've had Dan Gorin. We've had Jess Harrison. We've right. had Dean Millard on. Um, it would be interesting. And let's specifically target Jess Harrison because she was the one that uh, when we were talking about Fernando Tatis was really or excuse me, Fernando Tatis was driving home how important the scapular strengthening is during right. everything. So I think it's key too. I think yeah, it would be right. great Absolutely. for these two to meet all three of them, but right. you know, specifically Jess, where she Cage made match. that the focal point of that episode where it's like, I can't stress enough how important it is to stress or to strengthen the scapula through all of it, you know? And, and that seems to be what you're both talking about. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people, we hear it now a lot more for every push, there's a pull, yeah. you know, and, and making sure that you're, you're doing that pull day just as much as you're doing the push day. The push yeah. day is like the, the muscles you can flex, but the, yeah. the pull yeah. day is to make sure that you can take your shirt off to be able to flex it right. and That's do exactly it. Right. <laughs> so, right, right, right. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think when you look at the, um, kind of the EMG side of it, all those studies they did years ago on what muscles are firing when, you get a lot of kind of co-contraction of the posterior side, the, the mid-trap, low-trap, and the serratus. Yeah. And they're, they're all going at the same Coupled time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Coupled, yeah. coupled uh, muscles there that, that create the, those force couples. And, and so they're, they are huge. If, if you don't have a solid base to work off of, then the, then the shoulder has nothing, yeah. nothing that it can even pull on. Right you know, taking that a little bit further, if the scap doesn't have a solid trunk to hold on to, then you're, you're kind of in the same spot. So it's like, you can, I mean, I've literally talked guys through from, from their elbow pain all the way back down to their opposite, you know, ankle where you're like, yeah, the other thing we have to, you know, and there's, you know, 30 other things along the way, but you're like, right. and we can't forget about your left foot dorsiflexion because you're yeah. cutting short right. on this side yeah, because you can't but, come over top of your ankle. So right, like, like, like where's that, where's the lead foot going, right? Is it going towards, right. towards the plate? Is it going right. Towards, it's yeah, almost yeah. like things all work together. Yeah. It's almost like it's one <laughs> big human body. It's weird, isn't it? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, to your point, it's like, yeah. You know, we get so in the therapy world, sometimes we get so over, like we think we're a little smarter than we are. Mm -hmm. And we get so like focused where it's like, I got to work on your left ankle dorsiflexion. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go back out to throw and you're like, oh, we never did rotator cuff and we never did scap stabilizer. Yeah. So their elbow still hurts, yeah. but they can, they can dorsiflex that, that ankle like crazy. Heck out. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we got a little bit too cute for ourselves there. Like you got to hit the basics every single time. And it's really got to be throughout the off season and throughout preseason, in season for these guys. And I think, again, it gets it gets neglected a lot. You know, the cuff and the scapular strengthening stuff. That would be my next. That would be the next question. We, we we've had a uh, you know a rush of pitchers here at the recovery room uh, down here in Pittman. It's been busy, man. It looks yeah. great in there. Yeah, it does look great, right? right. Yeah, we have, actually. You know, now I think about it, we haven't really plugged it much on the podcast. We'll right. save that for another opportunity. Sure. But, John, I, I could fill you in a different time, but yeah. um, 
essentially we're running like kind of a community athletic training room, right? So it doesn't matter where you go to school, who you're, you know, you know, what it's walk an of awesome life. Awesome idea. Come, that's yeah, that's, that's right. a really it's good a idea. Like, it doesn't right. matter what walk yeah. of life you come from, whether you're a weekend warrior or yeah. a pro athlete, we've yeah. seen everything in between. So I'm real proud about that. And, you know, maybe we'll plug it a different time, but we, we have, so it's baseball season. We have about 15, 20 pitchers in there right now. And, you know, maybe the two of you can walk through for us. The, the most popular question I've been getting is, how much scapular strengthening specifically right now they want to know in season right versus off season in season but let's start with because most of these kids are tuning in for us and, and I, we do appreciate that but yeah they want to know it's like i know you jason i know you keep telling me i need to keep strengthening my scapula but i'm also pitching today i might be pitching tomorrow how much is too much they all say they do the crossover symmetry as a warm-up I'm sure we've all been there, right? Like we've all been to that warm up where it's like, oh, yeah, you see that happen, you know, we, we don't really take it seriously. And how much is too much? When, it, when is, where is that line drawn? Yeah, and I think that, you know, you, you've hit something that was kind of the nail on the head there and you said not really taking it seriously. Yeah. And until you are forced to take it seriously, right. you don't want to, right? Yeah. You know, you got your TheraVans, you got yeah. your, uh, the, those TRX machines yeah. now and everything. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of just going through the motions and yeah. going through the motions will lead you to immobility and being in a sling for a while. And so, you know, you, you spend four, six weeks in a sling, you get to the point where you're like, I cannot wait to put on deodorant, you know, right. and like the, the small right. things like yeah. spray deodorant doesn't work nearly as well yeah. as the roll on, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you really go through that, especially through the summertime, yeah. It, that'll knock you down pretty quickly. But, you know, I think that you have to make sure that, you know, you're, you're spending some of the time to continue yeah. with the, 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 the stabilization, to continue yeah. with the strengthening. I don't necessarily, you know, would, in my opinion, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think that you would go through the, the full strengthening after a day of pitching or anything like that. But you at least need to stretch, you know, and, and part of it is is keeping that flexibility and maintaining some of the, the stability and the strength that you do have in the shoulder. And, you know, if you go and, and pitch seven or nine innings in one day, you're not going to go in and, and hit the gym as hard as you yeah. can the next day. It would be do some recovery, yeah. go in, make sure that you're getting that full stretch. Do you agree, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're in season and we're realizing that things are weak, we're up against it a little bit, yeah. right? I mean, we're, we're you're, you're going to pitch till it falls off, right? You're going mean, like, to yeah, you're probably going to pitch right. till it falls off. Um, you usually avoid the therapist, yeah. athletic trainer, or yeah. doctor yeah. Like, play yeah. because you don't want to be taken out from playing, right. right? And to your point, the pregame routine or pre-throwing routine. Mm -hmm is a warm up. That's not right. for strengthening. You don't right. want to fatigue muscles at that point. If you're yeah. strengthening, yeah. muscles are fatiguing. Um, so I can't, I don't want to fatigue the muscle before I'm throwing. I, I need to get blood flow and, and yeah. more like what we call muscle activation to, right. the, to those areas. So it becomes a big, it becomes a trick to, to really get somebody strengthened sure. in season. Yeah. Um, because if you look at, you know, statistically speaking, people are going to lose strength during yeah. the season. Yeah. So it's, it's very tough. And I think with, you know, I think now, you know, you're in season high school season, most of the travel teams aren't playing that much right, right. now because they let everybody play their high school season. So you're at least okay there that, that there's a couple days a week they can kind of strengthen a little bit. But, you know, a high school season is very different from a collegiate season, very different from a professional season where you've got 
high school season is almost a little less predictable at times yeah. um, as far as how much time they have to do these, you know, seven exercises to say you want them to do or whatever. I yeah. mean, um, so it, it's tough. I mean, I, I, again, I think if somebody is weak in season, mm -hmm. you've got to sort of set aside a couple days a week. I, I, I really can't try to have them strengthen it more than like two, maybe three days a week yeah. right. because they're throwing almost every right. day. Right. Um, Especially high school athletes. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it, you don't have these high school baseball teams that are carrying thirty players. They're no. they're carrying players that they're hoping to be able to field a 12, 15 man roster. And some of these smaller schools, especially right. here in Jersey, yeah. you know, definitely where I come from, the, some of the definitely the small schools are hoping to get eleven out there. You know, and so having an empty dugout, you got to be able to have a healthy team. That's right. And so with that, you, you want to make sure that the, these, these student athletes are staying in the game, you know, and so they're, they're going to be constantly playing pitcher, catcher, outfield, infield, and maybe the pitcher has to go play second base or go play first yeah. base, you know, and to where they're not really throwing as much as they were the day before. Mike, is, uh, we talked a lot about the Movement Science Project, about what we can do in season, but as much as Dr. Frey and Sean don't want to hear it, <laughs> What could seeing somebody like you do for a pitcher in the offseason, preseason, right? I mean, and I don't think you guys take that as an insult, right? Like, no, we want to, no, we want to avoid the visit to the ortho, right? Georgetown produces, I think, more orthopedic surgeons. Georgetown Medical School produces more orthopedic surgeons yeah. than any other medical school in the country, yeah. year in, year out. Like, like for most schools produce one or two people that match into orthopedics, Georgetown produces 15 or 20, like it's just a yeah. factory for orthopedics, right. right? And one of the things that drive home is take pride in getting people better without surgery. And and and, and this is right in line with that, right? right. Like 100%, like, yeah. sure. like, no, for sure. If there's something you can do to get you better and you don't have to see us, absolutely, that's what yeah. you do every single time. Yeah. And that's right. one of the so, biggest things you taught me, you know, like right. when I came out, I was a brand new PA and came yeah. in working with him. And that was the first thing that it was, try everything you can mm -hmm. yeah. and then when you can't get them better and do they have reason for the surgery right. then that's when we'll take that next step yeah. but and, yeah. and like that's not a conversation in front of patients like that's a private right. conversation right. between us like, right. like, like take pride in getting people better without yep. surgery exactly over and over yep. so mike your off-season pre-season regimen yeah so i mean again i think it it centers on keeping that shoulder as strong as you can keeping the the yeah. scapular stabilizers as strong as you can um and then i you know a lot of these guys that are playing for the travel teams, they've got access to a strength coach at their, at their facilities. Um, I've been lucky that two facilities I work at have two awesome strength coaches uh, that do a really good job with those guys. Um, and these kids are getting stronger. Mm -hmm. Folks in general just take for granted the little things. I mean, I remember hearing years ago, um, I was at the, the Phillies used to host a conference every year, um, like a, you know, yeah. sports medicine yeah. conference. And I remember Scott Sheridan, who was the head athletic trainer for the Phillies saying uh -huh. like, one day we realized that like our, our professional athletes couldn't do a posterior pelvic tilt. Right. Like they couldn't do the most basic core exercise there was. They had no idea how to do that. And they, and you know, therefore like they, they couldn't do the more high level there. Everybody wants to do the, yeah. the cool, sexy exercise that's on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, but it's like, dude, if you don't do the basics, yeah. you you don't have right to get to those, right? right, you, right. you don't have a seat at the table of the big, awesome, cool looking exercises if you can't pull that rubber band a thousand times, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and as boring as it is, you know, again, the, the stronger we get 
the the stabilizers, the better everything else is going to be. I think, unfortunately, too, like I, I've seen enough off-season strength programs without naming names where I've seen a lot of we're going to bench, we're going to shoulder press, and we're going to row, and we're going to do this. But if you look at it as a whole, it's like we're real or a lot, a lot of lat pull downs. But when you look at it as a whole, we didn't really touch much on the on the scapular strengthening side of things. Yeah, and I mean. I think lats are massively important sure, for, yeah. a, for a... I, I, I didn't want to exclude why, them. That's why I threw them in yeah, last. Yeah, no, no. I'm like, I, they were in there, but right. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, I love, I love seeing, a, seeing a pitcher do a deadlift, right? Yeah. Because they, yeah. get, they get glute, they yeah. get lat, they sure. get trap, they get, they get so many things in there. Um, they get paid. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they get paid eventually when there's <laughs> a lot of deadlift. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's a great uh, exercise for hitting a lot of different things. Right. It's going to increase your velocity in, you know, in the long run, all that kind of stuff. But it increases your velocity if you keep your cuff strong, if you right. keep your scapular stabilizer right. strong. You can deadlift 1,000 pounds, but if you have a weak rotator, well, if you could deadlift 1,000 pounds, you don't have a weak, weak rotator cuff. But <laughs> just say that could happen. Yeah, yeah. You, could, right. you wouldn't be able to throw hard. Um, so, again, it's the, like, therapy's not, People don't love therapy because we bring you, we bring you back down to the most basic level yeah. and we're like, yeah, it's awesome that you can do that, yeah. Yeah. but you stink at this, right? Yeah. at this tiny it's little frustrating, thing. frustrating, man. Yeah, it's yeah. frustrating Freaking for people. Therapists find this like little weakness and you're like, yeah. what the yeah. hell? That's why people don't like us. Right. Yeah, I right. fought for the last, I, I can remember, you know, the goniometer was taken out on my shoulder and like doing my eval and I was like 172 and I was like 172. He's like, ah, oh, you're not perfect. And I was like, oh, how do I get that, you know, back I, up? You know, I, I want to go all the way. I want to get it all it. the way there. You know, and then, if, you know, if that's what you strive for. Or like, you know, you, you get tired with throwing with one hand. He's like, all right, you're bored. Switch over. Yeah. So one of my last questions on this for, t for tonight will be, uh, let's talk about what probably could be its own episode, right? The topic of sports specialization. So oh, real man. quick, let's go kind of from my left to right here. Uh, let's start with Mike quick 30 seconds 45 seconds your thoughts on the people the kids that you see probably specifically that you find out are pitching nine ten months out of the year yeah so i mean i think there's there's i think the people that are the the very top in the profession of of any sport will tell you that the sports specialization early on is not great yeah right uh, if you look listen to the eric cressies of the world that yeah. are the you know big time strength coaches in baseball I mean, he sees Max Scherzer, he sees all these, and he's like, dude, yeah. you, like, let your kid play soccer. Let yeah, your kid yeah. play other things because they're going to develop as an athlete. And yeah. I think what I think what happens, to be honest with you, it's like playing the travel team and stuff in and of itself, I don't think it's bad. Yeah. I think it's the way we we treat our youth athletes. In other yeah. words, we ask more of our youth athletes than we do of professionals, right? Yeah. So when was the last time you saw an English Premier League soccer team play a doubleheader, right? Never. Right. Yeah. Right. But we'll ask a nine year old soccer team to play three games in a day. Yeah. Right. There are nine, and then, and then they if, they, if, they, yeah. if they win, they'll, they'll play two yeah. on Sunday. And they'll play two yeah. the next day. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I, yeah. I had a kid years ago. It was the like, fact that they're doing it in the summer, the spring and the fall. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes in the constant, winter. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I had a kid years ago, he was a, he was a catcher. He came in with bilateral knee pain and the family's like, I don't know why he's having so much pain in his knees. I'm like, okay, well, when did it start? Last yeah. weekend. What did he do last weekend? He was in a tournament, he caught five games. Yeah. He caught five games in how many days? Two days. Yes. I don't, like, 
When was the last time you saw, right. When was the last time you saw a major league catcher? When did JT Riamuto catch both ends of a double header? Never. I mean, how often do you see JT Realmoto catch a Saturday night game followed by a 1 p.m. Sunday never, game? I mean, never. Never. Right? Very rarely because, happens in itself. Right. And and people go, well, it's age. It's this thing. You know, yeah. his knees are older than the kids. No, it's because we're like. We're smarter. Yeah, yeah they're smarter. Like, <laughs> yeah. they don't want to wear themselves out. We're wearing these kids out, I think, right. very well, young and and that was, overtaxing them. That was know? much more than 45 seconds. I'm but sorry. I, I'm, I, I'm I think we know where Mike stands on that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Sean, how about you? Soapbox to Sean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, overall, you you develop an athlete. You know, it, you don't have to develop a soccer athlete. You don't have yeah. to develop the best yeah. basketball player in the world, you know, and, and really you're also developing them mentally, you know. So yeah. not only are they physically developing into whatever type of athlete they're going to be, but, you know, I have more confidence in the kid that's playing in front of 2,000 people in a basketball game on a closed arena to be able to go in and close out that, you know, seventh inning as a yeah. pitcher and, you know, be a closer. Yeah. So I think that you're developing them physically, you're developing them mentally. And, you know, I, I, I think focusing in on one sport, we should really just like focus in on the kid overall, making sure they're enjoying it. Yeah. That's the number one thing. Yeah. Dr. Frey from the, from the ortho side. Yeah. Kind of right in line with everybody's talking about. Yeah. I think it's important to create good athletes, especially mm -hmm. at a younger age. Yep. And that's in specialized a little further down the road. My son is, I use my son as the example, right? And he's 11, he's almost 12. Mm -hmm. um, right now he plays four sports. He plays uh, lacrosse, he plays soccer, he wrestles, and he runs cross country. Really good runner, kind of came out of nowhere. Like we didn't see coming, he's just phenomenal. Like a really yeah. good cross country runner, right? right? And then there's soccer, right? And he's, he's, a, he's a goalie, he's a goalie for soccer and goalie for lacrosse. And he's a pretty yeah. good goalie in soccer yeah. and they want him to play like year round and we're constantly sort of fighting it. Like, like there are other sports to play, but, yeah. but I think there's this need, this, this draw, like, like, well, if I want to play soccer at the next level, yeah. I have to play year round. Yeah. And the truth is fight it, become a good athlete, do yeah. the other things. The lacrosse team, I'm going to brag a little bit here. They, they won the South Jersey um, championship last year. They're yeah. really good. One undefeated was a super exciting game in the finals. This year, he's not a, not a real lacrosse hotbed down here, but go ahead. Getting better. Like, like I grew up on Long Island, man. Like, <laughs> no, like, like, you know, so, so, and, and right now, the, the, right now, there's the score differential between their team, the three teams that they've played 36 nothing. Yeah. 36 nothing. Yeah. It's astounding. That's, right? yeah. So, so I'm, I'm super proud of that, right? But, but, and then, and then comes, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a former wrestler, I'm a yeah. big fan of it. Like, get good at all the sports. Don't focus on one, become yeah. a good athlete, get yeah. strong in everywhere. And as you get a little bit older, then you start focusing a little more on yeah. what, what, what is, what do you love the most? What yeah. are you the best at? Yeah. And then how do you maximize your potential in that sport? But yeah. early on, man, do what you enjoy, yeah. play it across the board. And that, that you're yeah, going to have the best outcome in the end. I, I brought that up because I saw an wait, answer. Wait, before, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I don't know if this is a true stat, yeah. but when I was doing my fellowship, uh, my fellowship director, Patrick Mayo, shared a stat with me. Again, I don't know if this is true. I never researched it, but, but there are more professional baseball players that come out of the Northeast than any other region of the country. And the reason being, it's cold. It's mm -hmm. hard to play year round. Yeah. And thus people don't burn out as much. People don't get hurt as much. And I don't know if that's true or not, yeah. but that was a stat that he had thrown out at, thrown out at me. I brought that up. I saw an interesting uh, statistic Right, be right after the Super Bowl, where the four starting quarterbacks from the championship games, so the mm -hmm. AFC, NFC, 
combined for, I think it was 16 letters of uh, varsity sports in high school. So none of them focused yes. on one thing. So I don't know what the breakdown was. It was obviously Stafford, Joe Burrow, right. Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm drawing a blank who the Bengals played in the AFC championship game. Bills. Uh, was the Bills. Yeah, yeah. right, so, right, right. So no. the, the, between them, that was, it was football, it was basketball, it was track, it was baseball. But there were 16 combined varsity letters between the four of them which means none of them were focusing on just multi-sport athletes. Yeah, yeah multi -sport it's awesome. Athletes. I think football has, it's, it's weird to give football an advantage in the injury world. Yeah. But, but yeah, you can't play football year round. Right. right. You no. just can't, yeah. can't do it. But I can't Your hold body up. will just be yeah. destroyed. So that like, these guys are incredible athletes, yeah. right? The Lamar Jackson's, mm -hmm. the Jared Allen's, you know, these guys are great. Like, so they have to play other sports because yeah. they're like, they're the best athlete in the school, yeah. right? Like who in Patrick Mahomes high school was a better athlete than he was? Nobody. Right. right. right? So he right. had to play baseball and he yeah. had to play other stuff because you couldn't play football year yeah. round. So I, yeah. it, it lends itself to that. It's yeah. these other sports, you know, mm -hmm. baseball and soccer and swimming and basketball. And, yeah. and you have you these athletes like, playing. yeah. And you have athletes like Russell Wilson, baseball, yeah. football, even right. into college, you know, right. at a division one level that that's significant. Yeah. Shocking. You know? Amazing. And, and, he still went on to play in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady. Yeah. Drafted Kyler by Murray. the Expo. Kyler uh, Murray's another one, right? Yeah, well. Yeah, we talked about that. He was the last <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady's the last Jackson. guy yeah. drafted, drafted by the Expo. Yeah. 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 Shocking. Exactly. And they got to get a team back, man. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't want yeah. me to get off track, but they do. They got to get a team. Sean and Mike, if you were a guest of ours in the fall uh, winter, uh, we always wrapped up the episode for Dr. Frey and I, where we kind of just did a quick fantasy football round, you know, round table. <laughs> Um, we kept it to about a minute long, so I don't know how much of the March Madness fans you both are, but uh, we had a recent episode where we really focused on the primary teams, number one, number two. Top three seeds, so, of course. Yeah. yeah. We mentioned how do we do? Well, we mentioned Dr. Frey that uh, if we had to pick the first one seed to to leave the tournament, uh -huh. it was going to be Baylor, based off of their injury history. They had a rough year. Gone. Defending championships. Yeah, and they didn't make actually pretty amazing given the the yeah. history, the injuries they had this year to, be, to yeah. do as well as they did. But nonetheless, gone. L.J. Cryer was their leading scorer. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't play in either tournament game. We had speculated maybe that they were saving him for when he was needed, but yeah. they didn't make it past UNC. Yeah, so they. I, I feel you know yeah. we, we guessed we, we, we sort we of guessed guess. what could be the injury. We said like uh, like turf toe. Uh, that that was my he, guess. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you know this guy was listed from like a month ago as game to game and there was games he played yeah. day to day games he didn't play but he was the leading scorer i think he played twice yeah. in like the last four or six yeah. weeks yeah, yeah he was game to game for yeah. months yeah months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like, a long time <laughs> yeah. um, so i said maybe maybe turf toe and then i we've had dr brant on attorney maybe that's another well, one well, it was, was a foot injury yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a foot, foot injury so we were speculating but we were focusing on the foot yeah we had speculated turf toe yeah i asked dr brant and he's like Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's it's it's, it's a um, plantar fasciitis, yeah. and I sort of felt like an idiot. I, and whether yeah. I, I actually don't know that it was or not, but I was like, we don't, yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of something the that could yeah. 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 Fifth day what? of I game. Like you're like, I don't know if like I can go to that. I think then you're yeah. done, yeah. right? Yeah. Like then you're out for a yeah. very specific yeah. time. He was yeah. literally day to day from day one. Right. I feel like plantar fasciitis. You feel good enough, you play. You don't, you don't. You're right. like, yeah, you that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Moving on to Arizona. Uh, their star point guard from Estonia, right. Estonia. Kerr Carissa. I hope I'm getting that right. I feel like I'm doing better this time around. But right. uh, he had that massive lateral ankle sprain. Yeah. 
He was listed, you know, questionable. He didn't play in the opening round. Yeah. They handled that team pretty well. I think it was Norfolk State. Reasonable. Right, the 116. Yeah. He came off the bench in game two yeah. against TCU. Yeah. Uh, well, although, this, although weird, right? Like, came off the bench but played 27 minutes out of 40. So yeah. you might as well just have started him at yeah. that point. But yeah. did not have a very productive night. I'm guessing that they they, they didn't expect the right. challenge that they right. got. Was I, it TCU or was it Memphis? Who the hell did they? Who I was? thought it was TCU. I, I wrote that down on my notes. But yeah. I could be wrong. But whatever it was, they what I do know is he went one for 10 shooting, finished right. with three points. Right. My guess is they needed them because TCU took them to overtime. Right. And they survived. I can swear it was Memphis, man. I don't yeah. know why I have it blocked in my head. But, um, yeah. but they survived. Uh, that was our kind of lead. And those were the two teams that really seemed to be hindering. But we did say like you know, a team like Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what I'm thinking of. Be, Gonzaga played Memphis. I'm yeah, sorry. Gonzaga, for, yeah. I'm sorry. Gonzaga was the one that yeah. was injury free. Yeah. And they seem to be rolling right now. They do. Yeah. But they no, they were tested, man. They yeah. were tested by Memphis. Unfortunately, they pulled that out. Yeah. But but yeah, we kind of got yeah. that pretty, pretty, pretty okay. Memphis also has, you know, two of the top recruits in the country <laughs> right now. Yeah, right. Heading in the right direction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Sean, well, we'll turn it over to you before we wrap it up. Uh, what Kentucky, was the team? Kentucky was a favorite, right? Oh, don't do uh, it. You know, my favorite <laughs> team, the St. Peter's Peacocks out of Elizabeth, New Jersey. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I have to say on Thursday night, I called my parents back home in yeah. Kentucky and we had like a tent. No, well, it wasn't tears, but you know, it, it might as well have been. Uh, you know, we had a conversation, and I was like, I just can't believe it. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's this is our Lehigh. You know, yeah. you know, this is this is yeah. that that game that you're never yeah. gonna forget. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and I threw that Lehigh in because I still hate Duke. You right. just you had know. to hit that Duke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you know, Duke I mean, employee, you just had to hit me with that. Yeah. Didn't you? <laughs> that was what. There's only there's only been three number 15 seeds to make the sweet 16 yeah right? and, and I, I was at, i was at one of those came close they beat duke that one year yeah i was at the georgetown lost to time. florida gulf coast florida gulf Awful. coast that was the great i oh, yeah uh, i don't know I, I i confuse them with uh the clippers it was either lob city or dunk city they they had termed florida gulf i think coast it was lob city yeah, i lob think, city. I think yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was a fun run though yeah. <laughs> if you're not a georgetown fan that was yeah, a fun, fun run. run if you don't like georgetown this is just a hard time you know to be like you know it a, a big fan of any sports team yeah. right yeah. now, you know, it, it, any collegiate sports yeah. team with basketball, it, it's your heart gets broken. Yeah. You invest so much into it. Sure. And you know, I'm in the bracket, the Haddonfield bracket. Yeah. And yeah. I legitimately believed Kentucky was going to win the national title. Yeah. I'm not even four. joking yeah. like that. That was, I was really like shocked. All I sat in. there with my mouth open what and just said, I, I can't believe this. And I was glad my daughter was there for this guy. Cool. <laughs> they're, they're good. Did you watch them play? Yeah, and they can shoot lights yeah. out. Yeah. And then playing against Murray State, they right. now own the state of Kentucky. Right. Yeah. So I, Murray State's out on the western yeah. side of the state. Like yeah. this this team out of Elizabeth, and, New Jersey. I was like, where the hell is yeah. St. Peter's? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's in New Jersey. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. got to give a quick shout out to my wife who may take March Madness more seriously than any of us. Yeah. Uh, a Syracuse alum and, you know, went to every game and, loves march madness and yeah i i i it pained me to text her after she went to bed that well you pick kentucky in two brackets and they just <laughs> lost so. Right. <laughs> yeah. so so we did we actually we, we yeah. tried to do that we tried to yeah. pick the the, yeah. the darling the upset yeah. that that mm-hmm. nobody would pick and i went with um who the heck did i go with i went with south dakota same 
yeah, playing upsetting State. Providence, yeah. which, yeah, which I just which, didn't believe yeah. in Providence, especially yeah. with like the Big East not being the way that the Big East exactly. used to be. That's right, interesting. Right, right. I have Providence yeah. in the Final Four, yeah. and we but, and, yeah, and yeah. we actually said like I said like Providence is a good team. I don't know if, they, if they're getting enough respect. Unfortunately, they got they drew an, another yeah. very good team, and it was yeah. a close game. Yeah. To, to Providence's credit, they pulled it out. Now that now they're they're advancing. They're in the you know the um, Sweet Sixteen. I had, and I had you like, chose. I chose Vermont as my sleeper, which and, I loved. And as that a pick. first round, I thought I had them. Yeah, they, they actually they, they kind of good, cost man. themselves. That they blew that game. It got tight. I don't know how long how far they would have made it, but yeah. uh, that got went down to the very end. They, they lost it. Yeah, you know, I I watched it till the last second, and yeah. I was like, man, I. Maybe I went on. I went on the air and said Vermont. Right. <laughs> Maybe it's not appropriate for us for us to, to sort of take a little yeah. bit of credit, but right. at least we picked games that weren't blowouts. Like, yeah. like we picked games that we knew would be close games. At least, yeah. unfortunately, both of our teams came yeah. up short. Yeah. Not neither one of us went with. That's why we Peters. don't encourage anybody to listen to us for sports. In, Heck no. Inside information. Right, right. Yeah. This is not a gambling <laughs> podcast. Yeah. 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 But it's fun, man. So right, much fun. Boys. I, it, it looks to me like Brian, the bartender, is getting ready to wrap things up. So, uh, we got to go. <laughs> I think we go ahead and close things out. Sean, uh, I can't thank you enough, man. Right. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much for having me on tonight. Appreciate yeah. it. And 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 Ozzy, uh, in that vein, Cooper, I want to you know appreciate a lot of that the, the Cooper, the great Cooper docs, right? Uh, Doctor Fedorka, uh, Doctor Kleiner, Doctor Miller. I think is recently retired. Uh, retiring soon. Yeah. Retiring yep. soon. Yep. Awesome. But leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Doctor Graff. Right? Like, send yep. him so much. Uh, Dr. Dolch, Dr. I, 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 Dr. Schilling, it, it goes on and on. We already mentioned yeah. Dr. Gutowski, Dr. Right, Dr. Right. Dr. Kim, people that we rely on all the time. Some people that I rely on, and, and you know this more than anyone else, at a point when I was really at a kind of that kind of the kind of one of the depths of my life, bailed me out, helped me out with yeah. a really tough time. Yeah, yeah. appreciate it very yeah. much. Yeah, well, we appreciate you. And, you know, like, I, I can't thank Dr. Frey enough. I don't want it to be a thank fest back and forth, but, like, <laughs> yeah. literally taught me. How to be a PA? Like it really took me under his wing and really you know, built me up in the first few years of my career. So yeah. can't be more appreciative of that. Mike, it's going to be really hard to follow that up, but uh, <laughs> um, we you, rehearsed. You, you, yeah, <laughs> you by far traveled the furthest to ever be with us in person. Uh, we've dropped numerous calls with guests from out of area we that have. we were like, "Oh, this call yeah. you," and we dropped them. But thank you for you, traveling. Yeah, sure. You, no, you, man, you traveled a great show. deal to be here with us tonight. Appreciate that you're excited to be on. The show. Yeah, I'm honored to be here. This is yeah. great, man. I'm a, I'm actually a big fan of the podcast. Yeah. So we'll we'll do everything we can to share everything about you through the Movement Science Project. We fully support appreciate what you're doing it. out there and. Um, anything else, uh, you know, our listeners can, uh, you know, send us questions to sportsmed on tap at gmail.com. Yeah. We can easily get you in touch with Mike. Is there a when number they can call you, the best way to reach you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, the best, is, I have a website, obviously, it's the movementscienceproject.com. Um, you can follow my poor, <laughs> poorly uh, used social media at, at, at the movement science project on, on, on Instagram. Occasionally I post. Um, but really probably the website's the yeah. best spot. That's got the number. It's yeah. got an email Perfect. for me, all that. So. Your, your, uh, your website is very informative. I've been on there. There's a lot of great uh, resources on there. And he's not getting himself enough credit. I mean, what, what he does on social media. Like I said, I myself have stolen some things from you. <laughs> Uh, so we encourage you guys to follow him on the movementscienceproject.com. And again, we will, uh, you know, share your information with us. Appreciate and, it, yeah. you know, players from this area, it's not that far away. It, it's definitely worth the 40, 45 minute trip out to Newtown Square to, uh, to join him. 
you know, we also want to thank uh, the uh, 614 Grill for providing us with some, some food tonight. Mike, that might have been all you're doing. It was good food. The one thing I remember about you, you were always eating. Always but. eating. <laughs> I remember you asked me that question. Are you always eating? Yeah. <laughs> but before we go ahead and close out our tab tonight, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods, of course, for hosting us each and every week, located right here at 614 Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey. And our good friends at Timber Real Productions. We want to thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.